Greetings and welcome to another profe- professionally useful. I'm, <laughs> I'm out. See you guys. <laughs> Through the years, I run a tight ship on this podcast. I don't want to be with people. Are you're one hundred percent right? I know you know. I know you know. The struggle is real. Blah. Greetings and welcome to another potentially useful episode of the TCAPS Loop Podcast. My name is Larry Burden, and she'll always garner a certified fresh review from Rotten Tomatoes. It's Danielle Brostrom, and I'll let her decide if she's Siskel or Ebert on this book review pod. It's Steffi Light. Do you want to be either one? Do you uh, have a preference? I I haven't decided yet. I'll oh. have to wait till the end. All right. Before we open the book on today's episode, let's allow the TCAP Sloop Moment of Zen to illustrate its narrative. To avoid criticism says nothing. Do nothing. Be nothing. Albert Hubbard. I'm super excited about this pod. This is so cool. We had kind of talked a little bit about this topic two weeks ago um, as far as book awards and the Caldecott, we decided to ramp it up a little bit and actually do kind of maybe our own awards. So we're going to review and rank our top five, maybe potential honorees for this year, even though the, the re- award has already come out. We've got five books that we're going to rank and talk to. Last minute, I kind of... F- forced how we were going to do this. So we'll we'll see how this goes. Are are, are you guys ready to do this? Ready. So so the way we're going to do this is we're going to start. It's uh, we have five books. We're going to start at number five. We've ranked them all and work our way down. If somebody has a book higher in their esteem, we will wait to talk about that book till we get to that that higher ranking. The five books were so with the Caldecott, there aren't nominees, but mm-hmm. we have a group of five books in front of us that were getting a lot of buzz, that were being considered most likely for some awards. And out of the five, we have the Caldecott winner and we have an honoree. That's what's in front of us. Excellent. So my number five is Tom Foolery. Does anybody else have that higher on their list? I have it higher. I have it higher as well. All right. What is your number five? My number five was The Tree and the River. Same. It's higher on my list. Uh, so I guess it would be my number four then. My number four is An American Story. I had that higher. I also had that higher. <laughs> <laughs> we have very divergent views. We do. So, so this, is, this is good. So we're not going to actually talk about any of the books. Yeah, we're just going to give numbers. We're just going to go around. So you're number four. My number four and my number three are very, very close. My number four is There Was a Party for Langston. I have that higher. I have that higher. Again, I'm really, really intrigued by what your critiques of these books are going to be. So then I think we're on, what's your number four? Tom Foolery. Tom Foolery. Yeah, that was my number three because those were the two that I couldn't. Let's, let's, then, talk, let's talk about let's Tom start Foolery. There, yeah. So if you want to start. So first, we should talk about what the book is. Steffi, can you give us a short book talk on the book? Sure. So this is the background, the life story of Randolph Caldecott, for which the award was named. We talked a little bit about this on the podcast last time, but what I loved about it is he was not maybe the most uh, highly trained or didn't go to the best schools, but he persevered and 
and really changed how uh, children's books were illustrated, like really focused on action and movement in the pictures and the art of picture books. I mean, based, you know, the whole thing about the award, but I'm a sucker for the story behind the story. So learning about his background and and I enjoyed seeing the the history, the changes that came about through the art in picture books. Sorry, that's a book talk and a personal review all in one. I think that was wonderful. Um, no, I loved the language that was throughout this book. Um, you could feel the the sprightliness, I guess, <laughs> from the word choice that was through here. I would definitely use this in an opera classroom because of that word choice. But the last part of the book, honestly, is what sold me. I mean, like three or four pages at the end, and it talks about how the book contains reproductions of Caldecott's own art and where in the book you can find that. And then different annotations, like explaining, you know, this sketch was based on this part of his life. And I just, I thought that was a really, really cool way to do a picture book that it just had all these kind of like, it was a bibliography of of his life in the back. Yeah, there's quite a bit in the end papers there. And that's what brought me in. So hi. So I and I, I actually agree with everything that you guys have said. I thought it was super informative and interesting. The problem that I kind of had where it ranked a little bit lower was I, I think I was expecting something a little more propulsive. I was hoping that it was going to be a little more fun and energetic, almost more mirroring his artistic style. Hmm. And I felt that it moved a little slow. I really liked some of the illustration, especially where uh, the artist was showing his art coming from the drawing table. Mm-hmm. I thought that was just such a great idea and a way to uh, show imagination. Mm-hmm. Um, I did like the use of the art, and I did like the in the bibliography and the annotations, the explanations. I thought that was fun to kind of go back through and see what was there. I didn't know if I liked, and this is just the way the book was set up, the typesetting paired well with the artwork. Mm. You know, and this this is again. I, I love think, that you bring that perspective. I think this is, this is going to where we're going to come. Graphic differ a designer. Little bit. Uh, yeah, yes. I was. I you know, especially with the Caldecott, and I, I did take this into account. You were kind of commenting earlier. What did we use for our critiques? And one of the things that I think the Caldecott Award talks to is: Does the illustration help tell the story? And when I look at the illustration, it's also how the spreads are put together, and some of them. Um, the spread that you're looking at, it takes a really busy picture and then makes it busier. You know, you have three different fonts there. What do they say? Whereas the illustration is amazing. And there's a little bit of that going back and forth in the book. And I just don't think that the the two pieces of it didn't engage as well as I would have liked. And like I said, I didn't think the story would... I was expecting um, some kind of hurly-burly, like, here we go, let's, let's, let's go for a romp. And I didn't really get the romp. The Caldecott Committee agreed with you. Mm-hmm. Did not get any... Nods. I think it does also feel a little meta. You're writing a story about the guy who the award is named for, and you're trying to get the award. <laughs> that was a little. They're not trying to get it. <laughs> they were. They were just trying to get I know, it. They... <laughs> the only reason they wrote the story. No. I just I appreciated those from that same standpoint. That I mean, kids hear about these awards. It's like, what in the world is this? And to hear the the actual person behind it, I think that's cool. I really want to look at some of those books that he had written. Yeah. The historical aspect of this is really cool. Yeah. And the way that it did show the historical aspect in his work was a really interesting conceit. I don't want to sound like I'm super negative just in the context of the books that we saw. Yeah, that one didn't 
didn't quite hit the mark. No, nah, but they did their research. I think we should mention this book is written by Michelle Markle and illustrated by Barbara McClintock. Thank, Thank you. you. Excellent. Yep. It's, it's funny that you... You brought, I'm like, we've got to, we've got to make sure that we actually talk about the people that the creatives that, that put this together. That was that was my number three. Your that was three, my four. Your four and my five. I think I'm on. I don't know where we are, Larry. I think I'm honest. on my three, and that is, uh, there was a party for Langston. That was my number four. That was your two. So we're gonna wait on wait on that one. Your number three. We've done my number three. That would have been tomfoolery. Okay, so your number three. An American story. And where do you have that? Number one. You have your, okay, that's your number one. That's my number one. Okay, this is good. So I'm going to go to my number two, because I think this is the highest this is likely to be, the tree in the river. That's my five. Yeah, my five. Steffi, can you book talk it for us? Yeah. It focuses on a, a little part of nature, the whole book, um, and what happens across time with this tree and right right near a river. Like you're seeing the development that comes up from the first people there, you're assuming first settlers of some sort are there making a house. And then it builds all the way into a futuristic setting that then also moves on. Like the tree's still there, but the futuristic uh, encampment, I guess, I don't know, moves on. It's also wordless. So this is a wonderful story to uh, let kids dive into and let them explain what they think is happening. But the focus is one little part of of a landscape, a tree right by a river bend. I love this. This is the first book I read, and I opened up the foreword. The foreword is written in a very at a very high level, and I'm thinking, what am I in for here? This is th- th- these are children's books, and then at the end of the foreword, it says this is a wordless book. And I was like, oh, okay. So my mind was all over the place at the start. I am so partial to this type of book. It's visual storytelling, and it's done really, really well. Beautiful illustration that told a clear and layered story. It's energetic and minimal in its line work. It's fun to get lost in. If you really take a look at the illustrations and what's going on in them and the way it shows a civilization, somewhat fantastical, but very grounded how it actually develops in a lands- in a specific landscape and then falls is compelling. And like I said, if you, actually, if you go into the story, there was one illustration or a set of illustrations where you, it shows part of a city's development and part of the river being disrupted. Then it gets walled and the river gets adjusted. And then there's actually a conflict and the wall gets broken, and the river starts running back to its natural course. I got completely lost lost in this. Read at the end how the illustrations were made. He created a clay and wood sculpture of the landscape and then worked from that. So he had a kind of a 3D model of that environment. I just thought that was really, really cool. So yeah, I probably could look at that book for days and find new things and interesting ways that he showed the rise and fall of a civilization on a piece of land. I never noticed that the reflection in the river on the cover is the future part of the world. I agree with you on all of that about the, I mean, the the illustrations are amazing and the level of detail. It has a dystopian feel to me. You know, you see it play all the way out and you see the, the city fall in 
I mean, it looks so futuristic, and then it all, but it all goes back to the land at one point near the end. Why is it my five? From an illustration standpoint, it's amazing. I think wordless picture books have so much to offer. But I was a little focused criteria-wise, Caldecott, thinking not that the Caldecott has never been a world, wordless picture book, but you bring so much to the story, the reader, so that's super cool, and you could spend a ton of time in it. But because there isn't text, the melding of the art with the text for the Caldecott, I just it didn't make my top. What is the Caldecott? Is it the merging of the art and the text, or is it how does the art help tell the story? There's a very clear narrative throughout the book without any words. In one sense, it's actually doing a masterful job at what the Caldecott is expressing. At least that's the way I, I read it. That's kind of why it was so high on my list is it didn't need words to tell the story. And if you're looking at using it in a classroom, in a classroom setting, giving each one of these illustrations to a child and saying, what do you see? Yeah, which would what be a super here? cool. Would be a great prompt, taking one picture and then going to the next one and saying, what has changed and why has it changed? I also think that just to plug information literacy, a wordless picture book like this, you can use to explain how people would receive this message based on these pictures. We would all interpret this differently. Like what's happened, why it's happened, who the people are. You could do a lesson around what the message is and same images, different message. Danielle, what did you? You have so many opinions on this one, Larry. The Tree in the River by Aaron Becker is the author and illustrator on this one. I did my reviews with my daughter, who was a third grader, actually. We sat down together, and we read all the books, and we talked about them. So my review is kind of based on field testing it with the child. And it, it was interesting because I kept trying to be like, no, look, look how beautiful this book is. And she was like, yeah, it's okay. And then she would like reach for another one. So she just wasn't wasn't into it. I don't know. So that's that's why it ranked the lowest on my list. I agree with everything that you said. I think the illustrations are gorgeous. I think there's a lot to see in here. She's a big reader. I was really surprised that she didn't get into it. But mm -hmm. yeah. All right. So we have three left. We have American Story, A Party for Langston, and Big. Which one do you want to start with? I, I, I would like to say Big for last. Want to talk the about There Was a Party for Langston? Sure. I had that as my number three. I had that as my number two. My number four. So, Steffi, can you book talk? There was a party for Langston King O Letters from New York Times bestseller Jason Reynolds with art by Jerome Pumphrey and Jarrett Pumphrey. Yes. So, this all started from a picture of uh, Maya Angelou and Amari Baraka dancing at an opening at the Schomburg Center at the New York Public Library. And it was a celebration because they were opening an auditorium in Langston Hughes' honor. And this all started from this picture. So Jason Reynolds did a deep dive into what was going on and who was, you know, who were the people in the party and what was happening. I think just the joy of celebrating this crucially important person in American literature and then all of these dignitaries that were there, other important people in the Harlem Renaissance and um, literature in general, and just this the celebration, the historical significance of the group of people that was together. Again, I love the what's the nugget of what makes 
a book, right? So it stemmed from this famous picture. But then, like the art for me, when I did a deep dive into the art, a lot of this is handmade stamps. That's how they make these images and like actually cut the stamps, make the stamps, and then they're editing them digitally. But like 250 stamps that were created. And I loved the interplay with the letters. Like, well, you'll see it throughout, but the the famous picture of the two people dancing, the illustrators took the letters of their names and used the letters to make their characters, if that makes sense. Hard, this is hard in a podcast, but I was just blown away f- by how the art was created and and how it played with the story because the text became the illustrations in the shapes of all sorts of the people. It became the shapes of parts. I just love that it it introduces kids to some people they might not know and introduces some important events that are like historically significant and significant to words and letters and books and all those important things. And it was a party at the library. What's not to love? There's no chance you weren't going to love this book. There really wasn't. This one was good for multiple readings, too, because the first time you go through, you might just read the story and pick up a couple. But on a second and third reading, I noticed I picked up things that I missed in the illustrations that were words that were kind of hidden. Um, There's one picture with the woman, and she's, like, laying down, and I totally missed that there were words in that one. Mm. And you can do a deep dive, like, all the, the people in the illustration, that famous people looking down at the party. I just loved how the illustrators and the text, the importance of letters, like letters as words, letters as shapes, letters as illustration. And the book is called The King of Letters, so it makes sense. This is a great book to juxtapose with tomfoolery as far as how the text magnifies the illustration or they work together as opposed to tomfoolery where sometimes they clashed a little bit. This is all one piece. Yeah. And I mean, just how do you do that? How do you make all of that out of stamps? That's amazing. I didn't know that part. I don't necessarily shine sometimes to that style. And by the end of the book, I was just like, oh, this is great. Everything that you said, Steffi, the way they utilize the words as part of the illustration, again, juxtaposing it with tomfoolery, this is fun. By the end of it, I wanted to read some some of the poetry, some of the words. I was so engaged. Well, it made me do a deep dive into who, I mean, I didn't know who Amari Baraka was. And then lots of people that were mentioned, I learned a lot. Not that that that's surprising. I have lots to learn, but like it had me. (laughs) This would be a great introduction to a unit on some of these authors that are, are in this picture. There's a picture of a bookshelf and the authors are like looking out, smiling on the party in the library, and it has all of their names. And a lot of them are authors that I hadn't heard of. So it would be a great thing to use in a classroom. And again, it's a party in a library celebrating a writer. So there's that. Yay. Let's go. (laughs) Let's go. Let's do the American story. An American story, excuse me. An American story by Kwame Alexander, art by Dare Coulter. We talked about this one briefly last time. It's really a classroom setting where kids are learning about Black history and asking some questions that the teacher is having, um, is navigating. But the art in this book blew me away because it, as we talked about last time, it took six years to make. So it's mixed media. There's clay. There's, I, I don't even know all the parts. I mean, it's just stunning. It looks like you're in an art gallery because you're walking, you're looking at 
what would be statues, 3D statues, what would be, you know, different forms of painting and um, spray paint, acrylic paint, charcoal, graphite, ink, digital painting on a wood panel, watercolor paper, and also using Procreate and Adobe Photoshop. Sculpture, ceramic, polymer clay with added materials, on and on and on. I mean, it's this is like an art exhibit around a topic all packed into a book. And I mean, that part is incredible. And the story is a really important and needed one, a discussion that needs to happen. And it's I think this could be used very successfully in a classroom because there's so many things that as a society we're learning about and, and trying to find the, the very best way to accurately represent and address parts of our history. Such a difficult topic. And it was just very accessible and powerful. And that was what Stella kept saying when I when we were reading the books together. She kept gravitating to this one and saying, Mom, this is so powerful. And she would like stop and like feel it. And I thought anything that can make a little white girl in Traverse City <laughs> seriously think yeah. about this topic at a deeper level is a winner. It makes me feel really good and actually makes me question my uh my, my take a little bit that she felt that way. So I love a big swing. That was a big swing. You could tell, you can see the amount of effort that's in there. I equate that to like a auteur director putting everything they have into a movie. And sometimes it just doesn't quite work. And and that's kind of where where I was. I I went through it and I just didn't know if it quite hit for me. I found some of the mixed media art off-putting amazing some of it was amazing and it's, it's some of the techniques especially the sculpture on some pieces were some of the most amazing things i've ever seen some of it missed at the same time there was so much of it there's it was such a jump around and i recognized that it was doing that you know purposefully to help tell the story but it was almost like putting too many ingredients in a mix and it took away a little bit for me the actual story like it was it was almost too much flavor. Now I'll say this, on repeated readings, it got better and more accessible. But at the time, the jump around from classroom to history, especially I think to some extent, because it started off the first several spreads were, you know, the the historical narrative before you jumped into the classroom mm-hmm. was like, where are we at? I was like a little lost in the story. And I don't know if that's a be a common thing or if something like if, if I was a, a child reading that, that's a pretty complex narrative device for a book that maybe didn't need it. I think that's super interesting to have a discussion about it. How valuable. Reading it a second time, the flow or the rhythm of the story came through. Whereas the first time reading it, because there was so much going on visually, I was almost distracted by the visuals and missed the flow of the story. I, I compare it to the party for Langston, where I was bopping the whole time. The mm-hmm. flow of the story was very apparent, and in the the um, the visuals didn't pull me out of it. I just love this book. Necessary, though, as far it's as so a, a book that's necessary, and the fact that they talk Heartfelt. about how hard it is to tell this story. Yeah, was telling. Yeah, can we talk about big? We can talk about big. So, Safi, big by Vashti Harrison. Ugh, this one just. I would say we are talking colors. Uh, Most of the spreads in here, there's lots of pinks. It's about a girl who is a ballerina and how throughout 
when she's a young child, everyone says how great it is that she's big and she's she can do this and she can do that and she's big. And at some point, being big becomes not a good thing. And how this little girl feels about the messages she gets from the world. The author, I saw an interview with her talking about how she wanted it to feel like a memory and feel like very internal. And the the images are so emotive of what the little girl is feeling. It's based on some experiences that the author had herself, but she feels trapped and and limited by the labels placed on her. And so there are spreads where the image is using every bit of the page. It's crossing over the gutter. You feel it. Like you feel that claustrophobic, trapped feeling. And I think it does the most amazing job when she is able to take the the little girl takes the words that people have said to her and hands them back to the adults and says, you know, these are yours. They hurt me. Like, it's all about this, like, empowerment. And she feels self-love by the end. And I just think this is such a real experience for so many kids. And and just focusing on appearance and body type and all these hard messages that we send. But it's a really powerful story, and the images are just, ugh, like you feel like you're in it with her. And Vashti Harrison is the first Black woman to win the Caldecott, so this is a historic win and super, I don't think it could be for a better book. This is a book that, when I read it, I get I get goosebumps because it is such a powerful story, and you do feel for her and all the things and oh my goodness and when she gathers the words and she says these are yours they hurt me it's just beautiful this book has been on our family's bookshelf for months and it's loved by everyone in our house it's definitely a winner it's beautiful yes Uh, (laughs) ditto yeah exactly yeah i got choked up at the end i mean i was it was the amazing thing how gentle it was it told a hard story gently I just wrote down, amazing. It maximizes the genre. Everything about this book is like doing the most you can with a picture book. Every piece of the design is thought out. The way the pages are structured, the way the art is set in the page. I I put in here, it didn't need words, but it made the most of the words. Mm -hmm. You know, as far as like what makes a Caldecott book a Caldecott book, to what you said, the use of space and frame when she's growing outside the frame of the book, to actually use the book as an illustrative device, just the shape of the book as an illustrative device of how the child is feeling, uh, you know, the claustrophobia of it. Right. It just fold out at that point, right? It, it, it gets to that point. Yep. And then the use of color, it's all, it's all these wonderful, nice little pinks and blues throughout. And then... It fades to these darker tones and these blacks. It doesn't hit you over the head with it. It's a very subtle move. And then it kind of bleeds back out into the warmer pinks as she kind of claims her herself. I think this is an important book for classrooms to have in their collection. I think it's an important book for families to have in their collection because I think kids need this story. And I think grownups need this story too, especially if you grew up in the 90s diet culture era. Like this is, this is an important book. If you haven't read this book or looked at this book, find it in your bookstore. Find it in your library. It's that This good. one's headed to the library. As soon as it's processed, it'll be in one of the libraries and we'll get it everywhere. Excellent. Let's go down the lists again. Danielle, if you want to start your list from five to one. 
Um, the Tree in the River, there was a party for Langston, tomfoolery, big, and American story. Okay, five to one. The Tree in the River, tomfoolery, an American story. Uh, there was a party for Langston and big. Okay, and I had tomfoolery, an American story. There was a party for Langston, the Tree in the River, and big. And gosh, this was fun. This was so this was fun. Time. Yeah. Do we have a tech tool of the week? Tech Tool of the Week, um, go to First Book Marketplace. It is fbmarketplace.org. It is a nonprofit that offers discounts on brand new relevant books. Um, they have a beautiful collection of diverse books for your classroom library. They regularly have new books on there. It's a great way to um, fill your shelves in an affordable way. Excellent. We know we can't find you online. <laughs> <laughs> so, Danielle, where can we find you? Brostrom DA on social. Excellent. Uh, you can find TCAP Sloop on LinkedIn, Facebook, the artist formerly known as Twitter, and Instagram. Rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Pocket Cast, Podbean, Castbox. I should have taken a breath. <laughs> Overcast. Or wherever else you get your ear candy. Thanks for listening and inspiring. Yay.